0: Welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is a podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I have a really fun conversation coming up for you in this episode. I love Kristen Meinzer and her work, and when she asked to be on the podcast, she suggested a number of angles related to planning that I just hadn't even thought about. And I feel like this just shows how important and how broad the topic of planning can be and how planning different little aspects of life can really contribute to giving us a richer experience in the days we have here. So I feel like that conversation really, really, punctuates that point and brings it home. And I hope you really enjoy it. Before I launch into that, I wanted to share a tip from a listener named Sonali. Now, she sent this to me like a year ago, and I thought I had already included it, but she emailed me and was like, I never heard my tip. And I felt so bad because I had told her I was going to include it. So anyway, I apologize for the delay, but I think this is a really nice tip for those who are thinking about either are already in digital planning solutions or thinking about moving towards one in 2023. I'm going to share some things that Sonali loves about not being on paper anymore. Item one, digital washi. She wrote, I used to buy washi, wait for it to arrive via mail, which took weeks sometimes, and then lose it somewhere. Now I just download and can use right away. If I find one that I love, I can just reuse it. Good notes makes sticker and washi organizing really easy. And that was something very hard for me before. Number two. With digital planning, it's easy to fix mistakes using the eraser or delete button. No more whiteout or having to cover things up with stickers. Item number three, room for endless pages. The planner I'm using now has a whole year of dailies, weeklies, and monthlies, plus monthly goal setting, monthly budgeting, and monthly to-do lists. In a paper planner, the weeklies and dailies alone would barely fit and the planner would be really heavy. Item four, cost. Of course, you do have to count the cost of the device you're using, such as an iPad. So if you're only using your iPad for planning, then it's not cheaper. But if you already have an iPad, then digital planning is more cost effective. Many digital planners on Etsy are less than $20, and many people just pick out digital inserts and make their own. This is a lot easier digitally because you don't have to print each insert or worry about binding. Sonali writes, I'm still getting used to using digital planning and still do miss paper, but I think I'm a lot more organized now. Now my pressing issue is what do I do with all of the physical stickers and washi? Well, obviously send it to me. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, I wanted to share that tip because it is a really good point that you can do a lot of the things that I love to do on paper, also in the digital realm. And there are many reasons that that appeals to some of you so much. So I wanted to share them, especially since I often give so much attention to paper. And on that note, I'm going to introduce Kristen in a moment because I think she plans almost exclusively digitally as well. And she'll share at the end of our conversation the tools that she uses, but I think the meat is in all of the different things she plans to make life more fun and enjoyable. And with that, here is our conversation. Hello, and welcome to Best Laid Plans. Kristen, I am so excited to have you. I have been listening to you on 15 of your other podcasts (laughs) recently. And why
1: don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Well, I am so pumped to be here. My name is Kristen Meinzer. And uh, as you were just saying, I host a lot of different shows, Sarah. The shows I'm probably best known for are By the Book. And on that show, my friend Jolenta and I live by the rules of a different self-help book every episode while we record ourselves so you can hear how each book enhances and destroys our lives and our marriages. And we've been doing that for 10 seasons now. I also host a show called Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. And on that show, people write in for life advice and we give it to them, but we also then prescribe a movie or a TV show to help them through whatever ails them. I also host a show called The Royal Report from Newsweek. And my co-host, Jack, he's on the ground with the Royals in the UK. And I am more of a royal watcher who has a lot of strong opinions, informed by history, culture, race, class, all of those things mixed in with all of that. And of course, the American perspective that comes into play, especially when we talk about our American princess, Meghan Markle. (laughs) So those are three of the shows I host. I host a lot more shows, but those are three of the big ones. Oh
0: my goodness. So many things to keep track of so many details in the air, which is why I thought you would be a perfect guest for our planner profile series. Plus you have some kind of interesting takes on planning various things that I have never covered on this podcast that deserves some airtime. So I'm super, super excited for that. So let's start with the first one that really attracted my attention, which was the idea of planning for a monumental birthday. Actually, as we record this, my sister is about to hit a monumental birthday, and I did a lot of thought about what to do for that. I feel like I could have even done better. But tell me your process of how you tend to really dig deeply into this one and what you've done in the past.
1: Well, I started doing this when I was about to turn 30 many years ago. And my thought process was, I want to create kind of an insurance policy for myself. So if I do feel freaked out at 30 about, oh, maybe I'm not where I imagined I'd be at 30 when I was a little kid. Maybe I haven't done enough. Maybe I'm a loser. Whatever I'm afraid I'm going to feel at 30. Maybe I'm going to feel old, which is hilarious, the idea that 30 is old. But whatever I'm feeling, I'm going to create a little insurance policy and the insurance policy was just a list of as many things as I could think of that I had accomplished up until that point, including you know, working 60 hours a week all through college to pay my own tuition and pay my way through, the fact that I was in grad school and again paying my way through, the different kinds of jobs I'd held, the kinds of friendships I'd had. And I put all of those things on the list. And then my friend Linda said, you know what, Kristen, that's great to look backward But what about your insurance policy also having all the things to look forward to? 30 is so young. It's probably at you know, maybe a third of the way through your life. What about the other two-thirds? Think about everything after 30. Isn't that exciting? So then I made a separate list of all those things. And I talk about that in my book, How to Be Fine, which I have to say is something that I continued to do and other people did for me. Another monumental birthday, my sister had my niece and nephew write up all the reasons they loved me and the things that they love to do with Aunt Christie, And so that was when I turned 40. So they listed out 40 things they love to do and love about Aunt Christie, And they sent that to me. And it was such a special, different kind of way to have an insurance policy. And when I got that in the mail, I'm like, I don't need to write up an insurance policy this year. They did it for me. So I just think, for your sister, Sarah, maybe you can do the same thing that my niece and nephew did. And maybe that will be her insurance policy. But monumental birthdays, what I've come to realize at this point, at least you know, so far in my life, those are my two big ones. They're not anything to necessarily be afraid of. They're a great moment to think of how lucky we are because we're loved and we have accomplished things and we're still here. How lucky are we to still be here, Right.
0: Yes, that is probably the biggest thing. Like every single ten-year milestone. Oh my gosh, what a miracle! Like we're still experiencing this. The Earth is still here. Like the society is still kind of at least functioning. And yes, (laughs) (laughs) so many things to celebrate. I love it, and I love that list. That is lovely. I may have to actually steal that and do like a little version of it for her because she does have her own little one, but she's too young to write a list. So we can help her. (laughs) We can help her do that. All right. Well, the next thing I was super excited to hear you chat about your planning processes for is dating, and that is because you have experience creating some pretty unusual dates, and I want to hear about some of those. And I feel like I am very much in a rut, although I do remember one of my like most memorable dates I took with my husband was we went to a trampoline like bounce place, oh, and yes. I still have a video of myself doing a backflip at age like thirty three, and it's like my kids look at that now and they're like, "Mom." wow. That was my best date ever. And it was like 10 years ago. So you tell me what else should we do and how do you plan in your super fun dates?
1: Well, I can tell you why that's one of your most memorable dates. You probably already know this partly because it was out of the ordinary, partly because it was physical. So your endorphins were going and partly because there's a little tiny bit of fear involved. You're doing things that could be dangerous. And all of those tend to replicate that Feeling of when we first meet somebody, when we're first falling in love with someone, all of those same things are happening. You know, the endorphins are going. I'm in a novel new experience. My heart is beating faster. All of those things happen. So, any date that you can think of that replicates that can give us those lovey, excited feelings again. But the reason I know this is because, sorry to say this, but yet another show that I host called Romance Road Test. So Lenta, who I also co-host by the book with, she and I embarked on 15 dates, 15 relationship hacks, what have you, and we recorded ourselves doing those to see if they made us feel closer to our husbands, if they made us feel more in love, if they just irritated us, and we did tons of research. We looked at everything from you know what's on TikTok to what's being written in women's magazines to what's been written about by real researchers. And we tried a number of different dates. And one of the best dates we went on, definitely my favorite date was to do something that scares you. And it did kind of the same thing that you're talking about with that trampoline date. But other dates that went really well, Jolenta loved the date of going into nature with her partner and then just feeling a part of something bigger and looking at things that are beautiful. And so that works for a lot of people going on a reenactment of your first date, it can really remind you of those first feelings you had for each other, those first impressions, but it also can be a great reminder of how far you've come. Like, oh, remember back then I was like this and you were like that. Remember, you know, we were semi-employed and, you know, didn't have enough money to buy real groceries, so our first date was just sitting on this park bench here and talking to each other. Whatever it was, it can be a great reminder of what your journey together has been. But yeah, our dates really ran the, <laughs> ran the gamut. We we also assembled flat pack furniture together because teamwork can make people feel like they're collaborating, that they're working together, that they're a part of a bigger project, or it can drive people nuts and bring out our worst instincts. So <laughs> it's not necessarily the best date for everybody. but my husband and I liked that date.
0: So do you advocate for like making a, perhaps a list of crazy dates to like, cause it's, you kind of have to like plan these things. You're not just going to like stumble upon a pile of flat pack furniture. I mean, I guess you could, but (laughs) you must've had to do some sort of planning process. So maybe like a list of five crazy dates to embark upon in a three month period or something like that. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think that one thing to try and do is, are you finding yourself kind of going on the same date over and over again? Is it the case that every week you always go to the same two restaurants on your date nights? Well, don't give up your favorites. There's something to be said for having ritual and having community and all the servers at that restaurant knowing you. But maybe just you know once or twice a month, making that other date something different and switching things up walking a different route to the date that you normally go to and pointing out something you know, here or there or along the way that isn't normally a part of your date night. And also maybe just ordering something different off the menu. Think of ways that you can make it memorable and ask yourself, if I look back on this night in 10 years, what am I most likely to remember? And is the thing you're most likely to remember going to the same place over and over again, always ordering the same food, always sitting at the same table? Mm, not necessarily maybe it's you know twice a month switching it up and going on a physical date instead riding tandem bikes like my husband and I did
0: yes or like karaoke that'd be fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right I'm like brainstorming dates already I love it well we are going to take a very quick break and we will be right back because I am excited to hear a little bit more about some planning on by the book you are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit jennykane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well deserving moms, moms to be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at jennykane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P L A N S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J E N N I K A Y N E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself And the women in your life, the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50, at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, we are back. And one pet question I had for Kristen, just because I am a dedicated by the book listener. I don't know that I've heard every single episode, but I'm sure I've heard at least 80, a good 80% of them. Like I love that podcast and you should all listen to it, especially if you are interested in personal development books and want to hear really fresh, interesting takes on them every single time. And you guys have covered some books that have definitely crossed the planning sphere. Um, One that comes to mind, I remember your review of Getting Things Done very vividly because I was like, yes, they're (laughs) finally covering it. And I want to know, do you have a favorite book that somehow relates to things planning and planning adjacent that you
1: have lived by on By the Book? Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry to say this, Sarah, because it might sound a little bit like a downer, but my favorite books that we've lived by that actually are about planning are about death. So I hope that's okay. The one of them is The Art of Dying Well, and the other is The Swedish Art of Death Cleaning. I remember that episode. I knew you were going to see <laughs> Yeah. And. Here's what I like about these books. They are not downers. I promise you that the word death is so terrifying for most of us in the US and for a lot of Western culture. We like to separate ourselves from death. A lot of us, you know, have never seen a dead person in our lives, whereas historically, most humans throughout history have seen dead people. They've held their loved ones in their arms as they've died, they've kept the body of their deceased loved ones nearby for days so that people can, you know, visit the bedroom or the home of the deceased person and pay the respects and so on. So I know that we don't do that for the most part in the US and in the Western world, but it doesn't have to be scary. What I loved about both of those books was they reminded me that a lot of planning for death is planning a life that you're okay with your legacy. What am I doing in my life right now that if I'm on my deathbed, I am going to look back and think, oh, that was pretty good? (laughs) I did certain things that felt meaningful to me. I did certain things that felt like they tapped into the best parts of myself. I loved others and I was loved back. I was part of a community. What can I do to live my life that way? But then also, what am I leaving behind for those who have to? deal with me? You know, am I leaving a will? Am I leaving instructions of what I want done with my body? Am I leaving piles of trash everywhere? Do I have so many mementos that nobody will understand what the point of these mementos are? Is my house just, you know, filled with things that have no instructions? So there's something beautiful about going through our things and thinking about how can I be most respectful to those who have to deal with my stuff, but also what can I leave behind that shows the value I put into this world? Because all of us put value into the world, right? We all do. We're not all just terribly, like, you know, destroying the planet. Yes, we are. But we're not all just doing destructive things. We're also hopefully doing kind things and we're also doing loving things. So, what can we do to leave that legacy behind in our objects and in our history of our time on this earth? So, those are my favorite planning books. And I'm so sorry that. Probably sounds like a downer to a lot of people, but both those books gave me a lot of food for thought. Thinking about death is really thinking about life and the best way to live.
0: I totally agree with that. And it's why, like, I talked about Oliver Berkman's work and how that resonates with me because he's all about, like, you know, the limited time we have here and, like, why focus on, even though I love planning and people might think there's like a persnickety obsession with the minutiae, like, I also feel like there's so much fun to be found and so much like, no, how can I best use these days that are like, you know, I can't even take for granted and that I only have a finite supply of like, (laughs) you know, the the number of summers I have with my kids or the number of date nights I'm going to have with my husband or the number of times I'm going to see a sunset, you know, like that. If you plan, you have a little bit more. I don't know, I don't want to say control, but impetus on on how those precious moments actually pan out. And you're right, like there's so much to be said for kind of like starting with the end. And I do remember like particularly your episode about the Swedish stuff cleaning and that very much resonated with me and how it is like an act of loving care that you can do for your loved ones to really carefully and thoughtfully prepare for your own death. And it didn't come off as a downer at all. So I, I will link to that episode because it was a really good one. Oh, and thank I, you. I, I've not read the book, but I should read the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this one's a little special for you because you are probably one of the higher media consumers out there because of your job. For most of us, we don't get to read books or watch movies. I don't want to say get to, because it could be hard if it's your job and you're you're doing it in a, with a critical lens. But how do you plan all that out? Or do you plan all that out? Is it more like holistic? Like, I feel like reading this today. I'm guessing with the number of balls you have in the air, that
1: wouldn't work, but I don't know. Tell me. Well, one thing I have found is the more balls I have in the air, the more likely I'm to keep the balls in the air. If I only have one ball, I kind of always feel like, I'll get around to that. I'll throw that in the air eventually. But if I have multiple balls, I stay on top of it. That's just me. It's kind of like my friend Gretchen Rubin has said something along the lines of like, when you feel like you have all the time in the world, sometimes you just do nothing. And when you feel like you only have a certain, you know, number of hours in the day and a lot of tasks, sometimes you get to those tasks more likely, you know? And that's definitely true for me, having lots of things to do. So for buy the Book, we come up with all of the books at the beginning of you know each season, a few months before the season starts. We narrow them down, we make our decisions, and then we have a master list that rarely changes. Only if we start reading a book and we're like, this is way too much like the last book we read or something along those lines, or if there's not enough action items, then we'll get rid of it. But mostly we stick to that. I have a book club I've a, been a member of for 10 years. So that helps me to plan out my next books also. And I'll nominate books here and there based on what I see buzzed about on social and so on, but it's a collaborative effort of choosing a book once a month with them. And then I have my own book project. I guess you might call it a project or a hobby that I started this summer, which is while I walk to listen to a celebrity memoir while I walk. And so far this summer, I have read about 20 celebrity memoirs. And they have just made my walks so fun. And it was just a way to shake up things because for years, I listened exclusively to podcasts while I walked. And I found that listening to celebrity memoirs kind of feels like listening to a podcast. And I just get to spend more time with somebody who's really interesting, somebody who maybe doesn't have a perspective like mine, like Holly Madison down the rabbit hole about her life in the Playboy Mansion or Jessica Simpson or... Huma Abedin or Malala, you know, so many interesting people and I especially love it when they are reading their own books like Dolly Parton, she literally laughs at her own jokes and breaks into song when she is reading to you and it's a beautiful experience. So I plan things around my walks, what's going to make my walk the most fun. I plan things with my book club, I plan things for my show. So that's just the books, but then movies and TV shows I'm on NPR usually a couple of times a month. I have my own podcast about media and so on. So I have to make sure that I am watching movies and TV several nights a week. And when I say have to, I say, what a privilege. Because, oh my gosh, of all the things I have to do, that's like somebody saying, oh, you have to eat spaghetti. Oh, poor me. I have to eat spaghetti. Delicious. (laughs) And for that, I pay attention to what are the release dates of various shows. What is going to be the most fun to watch by myself or with others? What is going to appeal to my husband so we can sit on the couch and have a date night rather than, you know, just watching it alone? And I take all of those things into account. And I know for a fact that some things like my husband's probably just going to hate. Like I talked about F Boy Island on one podcast I was on and he sat with me for, you know, 15 minutes and he's like, oh, hot people in bikinis. And then he just left me and that's fine. He doesn't need to watch that. He doesn't need to watch Indian Matchmaker with me, but he is going to want to watch any movie or TV show that has a sci-fi element. And for some reason, he and I really like teen movies. So we watch teen movies together, but I try to separate like each of the different kinds of movies and TV shows into who would want to watch this with me and what is the release date. And, you know, for other people out there who love movies and TV, I, I suggest doing the same thing. You can always see upcoming release dates just by, you know, googling like upcoming movies or if you want to on social you can follow different accounts. You can follow HBO Max, you can follow Amazon Prime, you can follow Netflix and they start promoting their movies and TV shows a few weeks before they come out and, you know, yes, you're essentially subscribing to an advertising feed, but it can help you, you know, get excited about what's coming out.
0: I love it. I'm like such a slow media. Co- well, not books, but from a movie and TV. I love TV, but it's like I it's just my life. It does. Uh, not a lot of it fits right now, but I'll like slowly savor something and I'll like plan it in. Like I'm I'm on season two of Handmaid's Tale. Like it's ah. sad. But then I'm like, no, I'm going to I'm going to go through like the next few months. It's just going to be like I'm going to get through all the seasons and I can look forward to that in like two nights a week or so. We're going to yes. like snuggle up and watch an episode. And it's so fun to just like plan that in and think about it how do you track all this stuff? Are you a Google Calendar devotee? Like, Where where does all this
1: live? I do a two-pronged approach, which, by the way, when we were living by getting things done, I was like, hold on. Did he steal this from me? I always keep both a Google Calendar and a running list, uh, just a Google Doc. I have a Google Doc called Read, Watch, Eat. And my Read, Watch, Eat list you know, has all of these movies and TV shows that are coming out that I want to watch. It has upcoming restaurants that maybe I want to take my husband to for an upcoming date that's a little bit different. And then reading, I just keep track of like, oh, who has written a celebrity memoir? Who's narrated it themselves? I ask friends and family, have you read a celebrity memoir that you really enjoyed? And I add it to the list each time. So it's just a long running doc. and then when I start planning out who's going to watch each thing with me or eat at each restaurant with me, then I add that to the calendar and I cross it off my Google docs. But I always have those two things at all times. I have planning docs and then I have my calendar cross-referenced at all times.
0: And when you say cross it off, you don't delete it. Like You want to be able to still like exactly. see it there. So you have a record forever of all the cool things that you did and watched and saw. I love it.
1: But I'm going <laughs> to confess something to you. So There are some things I just delete entirely, and those are the books and TV shows that I just give up on. And I want to encourage everybody out there, if you hate a book or TV show, you don't have to be a completist. It's fine. Your time is precious. Even if you're 80% of the way through a book and you're just like, this has been a slog, it's okay to put it down. Don't fall into the trap of sunk costs. Well, I've already put 30 minutes into this or I've already put five hours into this. It's totally okay to just stop reading or watching. I'm giving all of you permission to do that. It's okay. It's not you giving up. It's you putting your foot down and saying, I'm more important than this book.
0: I may have to take that as permission not to watch like the last five episodes of This Is Us, which have been taunting me, but I'm just like, (laughs) I've kind of just moved on.
1: (laughs) It's totally fine. You don't have to you don't have to. I don't have to.
0: <laughs> and maybe I won't. So last question for you Kristen, one of my favorite things about by the book is the segments that you and Jolenta do with your respective partners. They're just delightful. Your husband Dean has a great accent as well, which adds to the fun. And um I'm curious whether you guys do any kind of joint planning like when you plan travel or like when you're planning out the week or like what are your ways of communicating cuz you know, you seem to have a very highly functional relationship. And yeah, your interactions are just so cute, at least on the podcast, the ones I get to hear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very lucky. Dean is a delight. And his personality just kind of veers jolly. He just has a mostly jolly personality. And most things don't upset him very much. And he's very good at seeing the beauty in the world. And he loves being a cheerleader. And my late mother once said to me when I was younger, she's like, the one thing, the best thing you can have in a partner is a great cheerleader. And I remember as a teenager, just thinking, boring. What about hot sex, mom? What about passion? What about longing and drama? What about being epic? Like, you know, the kind of romance that ends up in an opera mom. And she said, no, you need a cheerleader. We all need a cheerleader. And well into adulthood, after dating a lot of guys who were high drama and eventually meeting my husband, I'm like, this is awesome. I love having somebody who cheers for me. This is the best part. I love cheering for him too. We love cheering for each other. So that makes it even more fun. So anyway, back to our planning though. He and I always are coming up with ideas. He is on various mailing lists that have fun things to do in New York. I'm on mailing lists for you know travel things and so on. And Every once in a while, maybe once a week, he'll just send me an email saying, hey, do you want to do this thing? Or once every other week. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes it's yes. But then we do that. We also have kind of a fantasy list of like, we'll talk about like, oh, someday we're going to go there, aren't we? And we'll start planning it out. And for a long time, it was Toronto. And we finally went this summer after years of talking about going to Toronto. We have a plan of someday going to Mexico City, of someday going to... Cambodia and some of these things we planned on for a long time and just didn't do because of COVID. And sometimes we haven't done them just because they're expensive and a huge time commitment. So it'll take years to save up for those kinds of trips. But it's just nice to have those fantasies lingering. So we know that, you know, maybe someday we'll do those things. But part of our planning also is making sure we plan fun times without each other. So he recently for example joined a tabletop D&D group where he goes and plays with other people in person. He knows that every month I have my book club. He knows that I'm probably going to be happiest if I see friends minimum 3 times a week in some form or another even if it's just for a cup of coffee or a short walk. That's just going to make me happier if I have that time. I know that he's going to be happier if he plays video games for at least a half hour 3 times a week. And all of these things we just have as kind of our routine. Like I know what time of day he's going to probably play his video games. It's probably going to be right before bed for a half hour to an hour. He knows what times I go on my walks. And uh, that's always during daylight hours. But it's nice to have those things planned together and apart. I would not want to plan our lives only together because I like a little bit of anticipation. I like learning different things that he's up to. And if I'm with him 24 seven, how am I ever learning anything new or hearing new stories from him? Right.
0: That is so, so true. Yeah. You got to bring in the fresh ideas to talk about and share and all that. And I, I love that because do you have pets? I can't remember. I don't think so.
1: Unfortunately, I am very allergic to animals, but I have Ah. all these dog fantasies and I used to years ago have an imaginary pet dog, but his name was Earl, but he was imaginary. He wasn't real because I'm allergic.
0: (laughs) I was just thinking you don't have pets. So there's less of like the coordinating who's in charge stuff, but it's still important to keep those timelines. Like, yeah, are we getting enough time together? Are we getting enough time apart? Like, I love that. It sounds like you have a really, really nice kind of balance and set up there. And that's why you sound so cute together on the podcast. So everyone (laughs) needs to listen. Oh my gosh, Kristen. Well, this has been such a pleasure. It's been just like a delight to chat with you. And you're such a pro and I appreciate that. And the listeners can find you in a lot of places, but is there one like website or social media where they can like get it all, all of the Kristen Mindser?
1: Well, the easiest place to go is my website, KristenMindser.com. KristenMindser.com has links to all my podcasts, books, media appearances. My social media handles are there. It's all at KristenMindser.com. So check it out. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been so fun.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Kristen. And I'll put a link to your site in the show notes and on the blog post I do every week so everyone can find it and check out all of your stuff. Thank you. Well, that was so much fun speaking with her. As I said, I'm going to link to all of her resources in the show notes so you can you know, use the, the show notes that show up in your podcast player to go to her website or for a more detailed link, you can go to the show notes always via theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. You can leave me comments there. You can send me emails with your planner piece submissions at shoeboxblog at gmail.com. It's S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. And yes, we had two guests in a row. So I think I am kind of excited to have a few more guest contributors to Best Laid Plans, although I still want to have my own episodes too. If you can think of someone that would make a really fantastic planning adjacent guest, just let me know. I am excited to ask them and have some more really fun and interesting people on this podcast share their thoughts about all things planning and planning adjacent. And with that, I will be back with more on Monday. Have a wonderful week.